Great podcast today. We get the details straight from the horse's mouth up in um, Canada. It uh, could be a dicey weekend in a lot of places. Canada, Ukraine, we cover all of that. Also, Bill O'Reilly and Michael Malice uh, on with us uh, today. Uh, you don't want to miss a second of today's podcast. And don't forget to subscribe and rate and review the podcast. That wasn't even that like you were just sitting, kicking back. And well, I thought they were going to edit it together, but now they can't. Oh. Now I just well, you screw it. And don't forget to subscribe. <laughs> I'm trying to. You know, you know this part. Here's the podcast. I'm trying to. I know. I think it's funny. This is the Glenn Beck program. We have a loaded program for you today. A lot of good information. Um, Michaela, hopefully we can have you back later on in the program because something has just come up. Um, But we will definitely have you back on Monday because you have done not just banking, but also investments, calling our legislators. That's been fun. Yeah. yeah, been fun. Okay, good. So we'll talk to you hopefully later on in the program. And then she's working on a project to help you pretty much give you the do's and don't list uh, and the uh, the things that she's learned along the way. And possibly um, I'd like to work with you on ways to talk to your spouse that don't freak them out, because I, I'm in the same situation as as you guys. I mean, I'm in the same situation. My family trusts me, um, but they kind of wait for me to lead, um, which is not always fun. Um, but the, the other thing is, is, you know, try living with me. You're like, oh, sometimes I have to turn you off. Think about being in my house, okay? Uh, it's why I paint all the time, because otherwise I think about this all the time and I drag everybody down into a really bad place. Uh, so I'm with you and we need ways to communicate with those who who don't necessarily listen and and get it. Thank you so much, Michaela. We'll talk to you again. Um, let me let me give you something uh, that just came out from uh, Canada, from the House of Commons and the Speaker of the House police operation. House will not sit on Friday, February 18th. That's today. As per the Parliamentary Protective Services, PPS, most recent email notification, a police operation is expected to take place on Wellington Street and other locations in the downtown core of Ottawa. Given these exceptional circumstances and following discussion with all recognized party leadership, the sitting today of Parliament has been canceled. We wish to remind everyone that safety is paramount. The situation is ever-changing. The continued presence of vehicles and demonstrators associated with the convoy alongside police operations will impact the downtown core. If you are not in the House of Commons uh, precinct, stay away from the downtown core until further notice. The police will uh, will advise when it is safe to return downtown. Uh, Should you already be in the precinct, Remain in your building and await further instructions from police. Holy cow, what is happening in Canada? From Rebel News, Ezra Levant. Hello, Ezra. Hi, Glenn. Um, The Parliament was debating the Emergencies Act. That's this martial law. They were literally debating it, and then police said, yeah, 
for your safety, you guys had better stop debating it. Now, of course, the truckers have been in Ottawa for three weeks now, but apparently today is the only day that's so dangerous that Parliament has to shut down, Glenn. It's a real shame it worked out that way, but but it, you know, but hang on just a second, Ezra. It 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 is um, it does him no good to have Parliament seated on Monday, and this says uh, that there is uh, let's see expected a police operation is expected to take place on Wellington Street. I assume that's right there in front of Parliament uh, and other locations. So they're saying that something is going to happen this weekend. Aren't they? Or today? Again, yeah. And well, it started last night. They started going out and uh, decapitating, so to speak, the leadership of the convoy. Uh, they arrested uh, Tamara Lynch, who was the woman who originally got the GoFundMe going. She's a young Métis woman from Western Canada. Um, they arrested several others. They seized bank accounts. Um, I mean, they've been doing that for several days now. So they, uh, I should tell you that the, there are still truckers in Ottawa, but it's smaller than it has been. They've opened up um, pretty much every single road has at least one lane open. Uh, reminder, in three weeks, there has not been a single act of violence or property damage done. Oh, hang on, hang on. Protesters. Hang on. I think I would like to go. I'd like to go further than that. In the week before the protesters, there were 31 violent crimes in Ottawa. Um, this last week, there was one violent crime. That is, uh, it's actually reducing crime. Yeah, and, and because people are out on the street and they're shoveling snow and they're feeding the homeless and, you know, they're having hot tub parties. But um, Trudeau needs to justify his state of emergency, by the way, Glenn, <clears throat> the Emergencies Act is such extreme legislation. It was not even invoked after 9-11. It was not even invoked seven years ago when an ISIS terrorist broke into Parliament in a hail of gunfire. <clears throat> so Trudeau has looked at three weeks of peaceful protest. Yeah, were, th were there parking offenses? Sure. Yeah. Lots of parking tickets. You betcha. Uh, was there some loud honk, horn honking? You bet there was, until a judge ordered them to stop, and they stopped. There was a bridge between Windsor and Detroit that was shut down for a couple of days. Local cops got the, the truckers to move. No violence, no resistance. So, you know, a couple of minor traffic police matters. No violence at all. But Trudeau, never one to waste a crisis, authoritarian by nature, publicly praising people like Castro and Xi Jinping thought this was his moment. And so he invoked the Emergencies Act, but it doesn't make sense from a public order point of view because, you know, it's just regular cops that could move these trucks if they were breaking the law. Um, he's really using it to suspend civil liberties, suspend parliament. And I think the most terrifying part, Glenn, is that he is ordering Canada's banks to hand over to him whatever private information he wants about his political opponents and when he directs them to, to seize their banking funds. And they've already seized millions of dollars. I want to say one thing because I know most of your listeners are American. As you may know, Glenn, uh, there's free trade between Canada and the United States. And 
uh, that free trade is the strongest when it comes to financial services. We have our Toronto Stock Exchange. You have the mighty New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ and things like that. There is a tremendous amount of back and forth between our two countries. It's seamless. And we both trust each other. And we've trusted each other for decades, even centuries. But now, all of a sudden, if you look at the emergency order, and I encourage you to do so, this edict that Trudeau has ordered banks to give up information on anyone who has supported a trucker and to freeze bank accounts at his command of anyone who supported the truckers, that applies to foreign banks operating in Canada. There are dozens of U.S. banks operating in Canada. And by the way, there are Canadian banks operating in America. So this emergency order specifically has the word foreign in it three times. So if you're a customer of Wells Fargo, if you're a customer of Citibank, let's say you're down there in Dallas, Texas, and you donated $100 to the truckers, but you're with any bank that has a branch in Canada, you are specifically covered by this emergency order. So what's, what's the head of Citibank or Wells Fargo supposed to do? Because the little Banana Republic tin pot tyrant, Justin Trudeau says, hand over the data and freeze the account. But that's against U.S. banking law, U.S. privacy law, and the First Amendment. So what are you going to do? And by the way, it applies to U.S. insurance companies that insure anyone in Canada as well. And there are dozens and dozens of U.S. insurance companies. Quick example. Let's say you're an American trucker who goes back and forth between Canada and the U.S. There's hundreds of such men. And let's say you honk your horn or you donated 100 bucks to the truckers. But you're a U.S. driver who has a U.S. insurance policy with a U.S. insurance company. You're all American. You just happen to come into Canada on your route. Well, this emergency order requires your insurer to cancel your insurance policy based on your politics. It is a legal order. And Trudeau says, hey, guys, don't worry about it. I will protect you from civil lawsuits. I will grant you immunity to attack my enemies for me. Well, that might work in Canada. But like I say, you're a U.S. trucker, U.S. insurer, U.S. everything. Are you really going to rip up your contract with an American citizen for expressing his First Amendment rights? If you don't, Trudeau's going to sanction you in Canada. But if you do, you're breaking American law. Trudeau has removed Canada from the family of nations of liberal democracies that can be trusted. He is causing a run on the banks. Uh, two days ago, all three, the three biggest banks in Canada... And I tried because I, I have an account with one, and I tried to log on. All three of them, their websites were down at the same time. How is that possible? Is that a hack? Or is that millions of Canadians saying, yikes, this is like Venezuela now. I think I'm going to take my money out of the bank and put it in gold or just stuff it under my mattress because I can't trust Trudeau using the banks as his errand boy. So it's bad enough for a Canadian, but i got to tell you, Glenn, if you're an American, you are covered by his emergency orders unless America stands up to it. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, I see Joe Biden really disagreeing with uh, Trudeau. Hold on just a second, because I, I, I want to get your feeling on how this is going to end, because it can't end peacefully because Trudeau would lose. Uh, 
how how do you see this ending for Trudeau and for Canada and America, the world, the Western world? Um, back with um, Ezra Levant from Rebel News. Uh, you can go to rebelnews.com and uh, and follow all of this. They're Canadian. Uh, they're kind of like the sister to the blaze uh, up in Canada, and uh, they're doing incredible coverage on this now. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. It is Friday. Oh, sometimes our conversations that we can't share on the air are so much, so much better. Uh, we have a piece of history. We're going to talk about Russia here in just a second, coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, and I have a piece of history that we have not shown yet. And honestly, uh, my first reaction was, how did we get this? And when I showed it to Stu a few minutes ago, your reaction was, how, how did we get how this? Did this how, how is this in our possession? Yeah, I know. It's mm-hmm. crazy. It is crazy. Um, if you have people watching auctions all around the world, what you can find, <laughs> this one will blow your mind. And it relates to what's happening today. Uh, all right. Let me go to Michael Malice. He is the author of The Anarchist Handbook, uh, the host of You're Welcome. And you can find him uh, at his website, michaelmalice.com, or follow him at Michael Malice. Uh, all right. Welcome, Michael. How are you, sir? Well, as I'm sitting here looking directly at William Lloyd Garrison's autograph, I feel like I want a hint as to what this is that you acquired. <laughs> uh, well, this has been in our library for a while. We bought it uh, in the last year. Uh, let me just tell, let me just read to you what is on the cover of this. Okay. This is a secret item within the meeting of section meaning of section 88 Reich criminal code. Misuse oh will be punished according to the provisions of this law unless other state provisions come into question. It was completed oh. in 1939. You're going to oh, be blown point. away. Blown away. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's let's talk about dictators, shall we? Let's go to uh, Justin Trudeau. Um, You ran a poll um, on Twitter. Do you think Justin Trudeau would feel comfortable using deadly force against his opponents if he knew he could get away with it? Uh, Your audience and the people who follow you said 96.5% yes. I was surprised that it was that low uh, because I think that's true. I think these people are so dedicated to what they believe and they believe the other side is so evil that they will, if they could get away with it, just eliminate them. Well, I mean, the way to back that up is this. We both we all saw yesterday and I don't know if your audience is familiar with this. They said that they're coming after the truckers pets. Uh, It's crazy. uh, a prominent Canadian politician, I think his last name is Blair, was saying we're working with the Children Aid Society to make sure that kids are going to be, uh, and also the kids. They said they're working with the Children Aid Society to make sure that kids involved in this are taken care of. So they're threatening the truckers' pets, and they're tra- threatening the truckers' kids. And so, someone else pointed out very cleverly that the reason I think they're doing this isn't just to threaten them, but that if they're going to go in with, like, tear gas, that they're not tear gassing the pets and the kids. 
uh, well, they say they are taking the pets away for protective care for eight days. And after eight, at your cost, and after eight days, if you haven't made arrangements, your animal will be considered relinquished. Uh huh. Um, and the kids, if they take those kids away in Canada, you may never get your kid back. Oh, yeah. It, and, and the thing is, so it, it, to me, it's almost easier to rationalize using deadly force against someone who's against you than to someone having a peaceful protest and taking their children from them. Like that is a special kind of, you know, Evil. war makes more sense than targeting someone's children uh, mm. historically. So that to me is a very disturbing sign. The silver lining, if there is one, is that people are understanding the nature of the, of the who of they're the up against. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that these people are not messing around. They do not value your life or human life. They do not value your property. I mean, minarchists, you know, people for the Constitution argue you need a small government to protect private property, and that's about it. But we see that uh, they're seizing all these bank accounts without due process. Yeah, but that's um, not a it, small government. That is an enormous government. You need a government that is that is afraid of its people. If the people are afraid of the government, there's tyranny. If the government fears the people, there's freedom. We've got such an enormous government and Canada even more so that they can do anything. I mean, look at once they can close down your bank accounts and this government can with the Fed. Once they close down your bank accounts, once they can um, uh, take away from you everything that you own, they completely control you. And I don't think that that is really fully registered with Canadians or Americans yet. You are under the thumb of any tin pot dictator that comes your way. Any government big enough to protect your property is also big enough to take it away. This is, that's the anarchist perspective. And Glenn, you and I are both students of history, so I'll just bring up the Whiskey Rebellion. So even when the government was as small as the Constitution, it's a very similar thing. Alexander Hamilton came in on horseback and, and took on those farmers who were protesting attacks on whiskey, which was at the time the portable form of currency. But let's bring it back to present day, because this is obviously very different from the founding. And I would just I, I just have to get in. Alexander Hamilton is was Alexander Hamilton was great in a lot of ways. And he was also really, really bad. He also wanted the first national bank. So go ahead. And, and I'm looking at a piece of his hair, so I have my own collectibles, uh, just as much as you do right now. Oh, really? Um, you have a piece of yeah, his I, hair? I have. You I ready have, for this? There we go. I Here have, we go. Here we go. I have clipped from the head of George Washington a lock of Washington's hair, cut by Martha Washington, given to Alexander Hamilton, <laughs> whose daughter then braided it. It's the largest piece of his hair that we know of in existence, braided and then he made it into a ring for his daughter. Top well, I have that. A, I have a bunch of I have a bunch of leeches that are, are going to bleed Glenn back together. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm glad we could find some levity in all seriousness yes. because this is a very disturbing situation, and it's also brinksmanship. Because it, one of the things that the COVID regime promised the populations was that you give us control, and we will keep you safe. We will handle everything and you won't have to worry about it. And now that they're seeing in the news that these truckers are making fools of them uh, and they're doing everything in their power to try to provoke violence. And God bless these men and women for not taking the bait when their fire was taken and when their gas is taken. But where this ends, this is dangerous and in some ways previously uncharted territory. Did you see that they didn't seat parliament today? 
No. Oh, wow. Oh, no, yeah. Wait, bad. wait. I've got to read this to you. This will blow your mind. Um, gosh, where did I have it? Um, I'll just have to do it from my memory because I don't remember where it is. Um, but the, the um, uh, parliament, because of their Capitol Police, they said it's too dangerous and an operation is planned for today, Friday. And you should not they're not going to seat parliament. Uh, they recommend that you do not go to the Capitol. Then they said, don't go to the Capitol zone at all. If you are anywhere in the area, stay away from that because of danger. And if you're already in, make sure you're inside of a building and stay in until the police say you can stay come out. Well, that's I mean, pretty remarkable. Also, earlier this week, Trudeau was telling the, the people, the members of parliament, that they're standing with those who wave swastikas. And there's a woman who's a member of the Conservative Party who is a Jewish lesbian. And she was tweeting out and got on the floor. She's saying, you're going to call me a Nazi? Like, of all people? So there's a complete shamelessness. There's another shameless element in this, which is governments create emergencies, then give themselves emergency oh, yeah. powers in order to stop these emergencies. Mm-hmm. So the, the premise that governments will somehow restrict their own abilities is nonsensical. This Emergency Powers Act that Trudeau brought up wasn't even brought up after 9-11. It's completely brazen and shameless, um, but not surprising, because why would any government interested in seeking to increase its own power accept restrictions that are just legal pieces of paper? How do you think this ends, Michael? Um, I think this is part of a long trend of these truckers are not ideologues. They're not uh, like Trump fans, like January 6th. Yeah. I think we're going to see increasing escalation as people disregard the legitimacy of the state when they see things that are just so nonsensical. And it's going to be people in different countries we never saw coming. And this is why I'm kind of hopeful. But as for the truckers themselves, I'm very, very concerned. And I'm really glad the Americans are getting involved and are helping them and those assets can't be seized. That's very, very key. I don't know how long our banks uh, don't do this. I'm I'm concerned about the U.S. trucker um, thing because I, I mean, I absolutely and I would never have said this five or six years ago. I absolutely believe the FBI is is inside and they are doing all they can to orchestrate problems. As you say, the government creates problems that they can solve. I think they've gone the extra step. Uh, and, uh, I, I pray for anyone that is involved in these things. You better pray for spiritual insight on who's around you purge anyone from your group that you think is, is uh, suspicious or dangerous or anything else. Be very careful. The, the, a single spark will blow this whole thing up. Do you agree with that? Uh, I, I, I could not possibly agree more. I will just add one point. I think it's a very useful thing when the mask drops, because one of the other side effects is if our banks go in on this, uh, you know, God help us, that's going to A, encourage a lot of people to use cryptocurrency more frequently, frequently instead of depending on the U.S. dollar, which is going to collapse, or at least it's collapsing right now, thanks to inflation. Yeah, and two, people who are in the middle who don't have a political perspective when they see things like this, when money's being seized from your bank without any kind of due process, or they're going to start 
distrusting the system more. And that's a healthy thing because the system cannot be trusted. You concerned about your freedom of speech, Michael? I mean, that um, that incredible DHS warning that came out last week that said, you know, anybody who is a purveyor of mis, dis or malinformation uh, is a threat, a terrorist threat um, to the country. That's a clear shot on any of us who say uh, this, what's going on, is different than what you're, they're telling you. Well, I am a threat to this government. I'll take the compliment. I mean, I think this regime is uh, evil and demonic, and, and even, even under a Republican presidency. Uh, the things that the federal government does to its citizenry, we have the largest prison population per capita on Earth, things like that. It's, it's just the fact that you couldn't leave your house. Uh, even though the First Amendment guarantees you the right to peaceful assembly. Uh, these are all brazen violations of the Constitution, and no one even bothered uh, to question the lockdowns from that perspective. So I am very concerned, but I'm also, I think, as things will have to fall apart, they're going to have to show their hand because these people aren't going down without a fight. And that's what I think is happening. I don't think Biden is a symbol of an empire at its height. I think Biden is a symbol of an empire on its last legs. Wow. Okay, Michael. Always good to talk to you. Thank you so much. You know, I like this last hour. That's a great point. I mean, Biden is not the sign of an empire at its height. That is <laughs> no, that. That could no. be his uh, his campaign slogan. I think. Yeah, I like Michael because he balances <laughs> Bill O'Reilly so well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Michael Malice, the author of the Anarchist Handbook and the host of Your Welcome. I like him. He's not only funny; he is also very, very well thought out and. I like people that I don't necessarily agree with uh, all the time because they make me think differently. And that is important. That's why freedom of speech is so important. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Jason, I have something that will boggle your mind from history because it has boggled mine. I knew what it was, and then I started reading the translations on it, and I cannot believe it's sitting in my room, uh, my studio here. Um, And I brought it because I think it reflects a little bit of what might be happening today because we don't really know what anybody's intentions are. Bring me up to speed on what's just happened in the last 24 hours with Ukraine and Russia. It is an eerie, eerie scene going on right now in eastern Ukraine. So the two separate, uh, you know, the separatist regions, the two breakaways regions in Ukraine, eastern Ukraine, they have both ordered their citizens to evacuate. They are and not just to evacuate. They're evacuating into Russia. So right now, as we speak, the sirens are going off, the air raid sirens. Uh, I've seen photos of people lined up at banks and ATMs trying to get all their money out before they jump on the evacuation buses. So this is Ukraine. The Ukrainian people, the Russian Ukrainians, are going to Russia? Yes. And what happens to the Ukrainian Ukrainians? Well, everyone that lives there, most people are the Russian-speaking Ukrainians. Okay. So these are all being emptied out. And who is, who is saying that you should do that? Russia? The well, I'm sure Russia gave the yeah. you know the little message, but mm-hmm. there's the actual statements from the leaders of those separatist regions. They have made televised addresses. So right now, and you can see this, this is all online. You can they're they're sending out text messages to all their citizens, and they're coordinating the evacuation based off the license plate numbers of their cars. 
So this is, it's organized and it is happening. It's just very, very odd because this is just so telegraphed. And I think that's why it's been, I've been so conflicted on it. Russia waited an insane amount of time to let Ukraine get ready for this invasion. And not only that, but to build allies. So yesterday, I'm not sure if you mentioned that story, you did mention that, um, that now the UK and Poland have entered into a formal alliance with Ukraine. That is the worst case scenario that I saw for this, because if you start getting NATO members pulled into this in an alliance, that's bad news. Well, but this is a new alliance because NATO says it's not going to get roped in unless one of their countries. But I mean, a, a missile could be lobbed accidentally and then NATO is involved. Right. So if, if something happened, if Russia retaliates to say to Poland, well, then then they've threatened their national defense. And I think NATO would end up having to respond in, the, in that case. So there's just so many different ways that this can just go sideways. But I, 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 I'm with you. I'm not convinced that what the Biden administration says is going to happen will happen. I never thought. Think of this. I said this yesterday as I'm, I'm driving home from work and I'm listening to the news and uh, friends in the car with me. And I said, did you ever think, ever think that there would be a time that you weren't sure if you believed our president over Putin? Is there ever a time that you wondered if the Russians were telling the truth and we were lying? I've never in my life been at a place to where I don't know. I don't trust us. I don't trust us. I don't trust our news. I don't trust the White House. I have no idea what to believe in this situation. Do you? Hmm. I mean, I, it's, it's, I hadn't thought about it that way, but it's. it's I don't true. know. It's not. It's, it's even partially because they're they're kind of stating that they're negotiating here, right? Like they're, they're stating that like we are saying these things to stop Russia from doing them. So I can't even tell if, if we believe the things that we're saying yeah. at this point. The, the, way that, the way that they negotiated, so they said that they're negotiating and pursuing all diplomatic you know, efforts to make this stop, doesn't even, doesn't even hold water to me. Because the one thing Putin asked for, right, was, hey, just tell us that, and I'm kind of minimizing this, but make, just tell us that NATO is not going to accept Ukraine, mm-hmm. right? Well, there was never any talks about that. It's never it's been on the table. Never been on the table. Ever. So, but if you're the Biden administration, that seems like an easy win for you because it doesn't hurt you. It doesn't change the way things were going. So just say it. Fine. Give him that. But because of his political situation at home, he can't be seen as an appeaser to Russia because that's the way Russia would, would spin it. And that's I'm sure a lot of other people would spin it that way. But it's a diplomatic win. We're like, fine, here, whatever. We're not going to admit them into NATO. But that was never on the table for them. Why can't you just say that? It makes they're no not going to do me. it anyway, right? I mean, it's not, Ukraine is not getting this anyway, at least for a long time. And right. they could yeah, nobody was even talking about it. Never. They could reverse themselves after Putin is dead, which is probably you know, the earliest it would happen anyway. Uh, but again, you also, as the United States and as NATO, don't want it to be seen as backing down to the demands of a tyrant. And so, I mean, they're all, I can understand why they, they like you. They want Ukraine to be part of this. I think they, they like that to be an outcome eventually. You know, what, oh, what, yeah. what really irritates and pisses me off about old alliances. And this is what, you know, this was a, this goes back to World War One. you know, like old alliances getting people into trouble and pulling mm-hmm. into great, greater conflicts. I'm not a fan of NATO at the moment. I don't see the point of well, NATO at the moment. The, here's the thing. These, these old alliances, World War One alliances, that's what created World War II. Mm-hmm. If, if you just fight to win and then go home, 
You can help people rebuild. I mean, America is the only one that does that. You can help people rebuild, but get out, get out. And uh, you can you can change the world and our tendency to go to war by just minding your own business and getting out. Now, a lot of people say you can't do that. Yeah, you really can. It's going to take us 100 years to get back out of it. Of course, it could happen quickly because of a collapse. uh, But I can guarantee you if there's a collapse, they're going to try to do this in a global sense. They'll try to cobble all of us together, and it will be Russia, China, and their allies against the West. And uh, it's only going to cause more trouble. Yeah. I mean, you think about it. NATO today is one of the only alliances that it, the purpose for why it exists doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. It, it doesn't exist anymore. the Soviet Union. Exactly. Right. I mean, th- that was done. And as to your point, they should have walked away at that point because then they all, all everyone that was in NATO had a reason to, well, they had common interests, right? They were going to stop the Soviet Union from advancing mm-hmm. global uh, communism all over the world. Congratulations. Well, g- good job. You did your job. But now take a look at Germany. Germany is like, they're, they're one of the strongest members of NATO. They're one of the, also one of the only ones that are not sending weapons to, to Ukraine. Yeah. They won't do it. They are in favor of Russia because they are beholden to Russia now. Money, money, money off yeah. that pipeline. Yeah. And can we point out that Ukraine held one third of the nuclear weapons of the Soviet Union at mm-hmm. one point and they gave them all back? Thanks Third largest to people stockpile. Like, yeah. Thanks to Bill Clinton. Who, uh, who is a big advocate of, hey, just hand them all back. Don't have a nuclear deterrent to Russia. Why would you ever need that? Well, now we know this wouldn't be going on if they, had, they hadn't done this back in the day, encouraged by uh, the democratic establishment in this country. Ukraine gave all of these nuclear weapons it had back to Russia. They got rid of them. All right. When uh, everybody in the world was saying they're not going to go into Poland, the Germans, they're not going to go into Poland. And everybody's working on peace deals. Uh, In a speech given to the commanders of the German army, August 22nd, which was a few days before the planned attack, the original planned attack um, uh, for Hitler, Uh, He said, our strength can consist in our speed and in our brutality. Genghis Khan led millions of women and children to slaughter with a premeditation and a happy heart. History sees him solely as a founder of a state. It's a matter of indifference to me. What a weak Western Europe civilization will say about me. I have issued a command and uh, I'll have anyone who utters but one word of criticism executed by a firing squad. Our aim in war does not consist in reaching a certain line, but in the physical destruction of the enemy. Accordingly, I have placed my death head formation, special SS units, uh, in the readiness for uh, the present only in the east with orders for them to send to death mercilessly and without compassion men, women and children of the Polish derivation and language. Only thus shall we give gain the living space in which we need, mm. who, after all, speaks today of the annihilation of the Ar- Arminians. Only one thing is true. A new situation has now been created. Poland will be depopulated and then settled by the Germans. My pact with Poland, after all, was only intended to gain time. What I have here... 
was uh, originally published uh, about two months before that speech was given. Remember, they're doing peace accords and everything else. These are the final plans uh, given to the German commanders. These are all of the maps. If you're watching the Blaze TV, you'll see them. These are all of the maps of Poland, where they're going, how they're going to get there. And this is the uh, battle plan given to the commanders. And I want to read a couple of things translated in German. There's a box in red on the front. It says, this is a secret item within the meeting of Section 88, Reich Criminal Code. Misuse will be punished according to provisions of this law unless other state provisions come into question. So firing squad, you would be dead immediately. Then under that is another warning. It says secret military geographical description of Poland with individual information for reference completed July 1st, 1939. Wow. So almost two months before they are, you hear that speech and then they postpone it again till September. The plans were already drawn to liquidate Poland. So you're in a time period once again where how do you tell the truth? How do you know what the truth is? Those who negotiated with Hitler, I think they were hoping that that was the truth. I'm guessing that most of them knew it probably wasn't. Separate what you know to be true from what you hope to be true. Because if you just go on hopes and you dismiss the actual words of people uh, who are threatening to do crazy things, you will most times um, be mistaken and it won't end well. So let's know what the truth is and not what we hope to be true. Pretty amazing, isn't it? It's wild. These are all of the these are the actual instructions along with the pictures of all the bridges that they need to blow up, mm. all of the instructions to the commanding uh, generals that went into Poland. Absolutely incredible. I mean, I, I don't know how to get this stuff. I know. I was shocked when we, we got this in auction. I couldn't believe we have this. We also have the original Operation Bigot plan. You know what that was? Do you know what that was? Mm. Operation Bigot. It is D-Day. And we have the we have the plans uh, from Bigot, and there's a second name too. We have the the and some of them are hand annotated from the D-Day invasion. I mean, I just want to do. I, I at one point I think we should just do uh, an open history of just World War II. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what what artifacts you can still find and preserve. I, I would. I would um, I'm on a new push personally uh, to um, acquire things that cannot be replaced. Um, we have documents and others, other things uh, that I just worry that someday, you know, a hundred years from now and, you know, the robots have taken over. They're so they're Marxist robots. And so they would destroy all of our history. Our history has to be preserved. Your history has to be preserved. If you're not writing a diary, 
please, if you can, start one. Just make notes of what's happening every day. Um, that will be used by historians. I've, I've read diaries of people in Germany, and it's fascinating to read them because you'll see things that you don't see in the newspapers. You know, it's it, one of my one of the things that really stuck out to me was we didn't know this word hyperinflation just last week. Now it's the only word anyone is talking about. History is incredible. Mm. Knowing history and knowing battle plans, where do you think this goes? Is this going this weekend? If it goes? I think that it could. So knowing history, the last time something like this happened with Russia was Georgia 2008, I want to say. And they told people to evacuate? They told the, yeah, the, the people evacuated just as they did now. They are now. Of course, there was tensions just as it is now. Um, they evacuated their people uh, back into Russia. And then the invasion happened, I think, four days afterwards, three to four days later. So this does kind of go to that playbook. But again, this is so telegraphed that it, it's almost like they're saying, look what's going to happen uh, as kind of is like an aggressive diplomatic they take, move. Is there a chance they take just two yes. sectors yes. and then it's over without any like bloodshed? that's the most yes. likely thing. Yeah, I do too. I, do too. I, I mean, I don't think they're going to go all the way to Kiev and take over the entire country. I really hope they don't. They are they they are form, formed to do that. So they're in they're Belarus all, to go towards sides, Kiev. Yeah. Yep, mm -hmm. all sides. But again, that seems more, to me more likely as... If this just escalates give us, or just give us these territories right. and we'll leave you Which alone. Which they basically already have. Yeah. Right. So there's a possibility this could end without a shot fired. That would be fantastic. That would be fantastic. Not for Ukraine, though. No, not for Ukraine. <laughs> I mean, you not know, for I mean, Ukraine. it's better that the shots aren't fired, obviously. But, yeah. you know, just losing multiple regions of their country. This is a I mean, Russia is violating all sorts of previous agreements they've made with Ukraine on this no and among I, other things and i i agree with that and it's uh it's horrible to lose part of your country yeah um and i would fight if it was happening in our country mm. um and i will pray for the ukrainians that god is with them na, na, na.